You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. This morning, I'm really excited to be part of this series. We're talking, as you've heard, about Joseph. This is part three in the series, and I love, I love the story of Joseph. And God has spoken to me about it, um, sort of about my life through it on a number of occasions. And I just feel like there's so much that we can learn from it this morning. And I pray for each of you that you'll grasp something new as we look into this again this morning. So Joseph, the man who had the call of God on his life, he was the dreamer who both had dreams and interpreted dreams. He was the favorite son of Jacob, which caused a lot of family tension and made his brothers very envious. And we can see how he was very much misunderstood by them. And today we're going to be exploring some of the suffering that Joseph went through and the suffering was kind of twofold, really, I think, initially as he suffered at the hands of his brothers. And um, we read that in chapter 37. And then we read of the very unfair way that he was treated um, due to the lies of Potiphar's wife, which is told in chapter 39. So we pick up the story today in Genesis 37, and I know that we've sort of read a lot of this in previous weeks, so I'm going to be dipping and diving through verses, and hopefully you can kind of keep up with me. So in the beginning of 37, we read about Joseph, who was sent out by his father into the field to check on his brothers who were busy working and was instructed to kind of report back. And we're going to pick up the story in Genesis 37. We're going to start at verse 18 of chapter 37. So it says, but they saw him in the distance. This is Joseph's brothers who were looking out. They saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal has devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And then in verse 23, it says, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe the ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern, which was empty, there was no water in it. And then in verse 28, it said, so when the Midianite merchants came by, these were the travellers that were moving past where they were, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So that's not really going too well for Joseph at that point. So we're going to move along to chapter 39 now and read a little bit more there about the second sort of aspect of the story. So chapter 39 and verse 1, and we'll read 3 to 12 to start with. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of the household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From this time, he put him in charge of the household and all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. 
Now, Joseph was a well-built and handsome man, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day he went to the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his coat in her hand and ran out of the house. And then we hear about Potiphar's wife fabricating this story about Joseph taking advantage of her. And then Potiphar obviously finds out about this story. And we read in verse 20 of chapter 39, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Let's just pray, shall we, as we start out. Lord Jesus, thank you for being here with us this morning. Thank you that you've already um, shown that you're here by your presence. And I just pray for each person here this morning that they would be able to take something away from this morning about how you are always with us, no matter what we go through. So we ask you to be with us now. Would you come? Would you prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say and just make them open and receptive to you? Amen. Okay, so I just wanted to start, start mentioning a few points about suffering. And those of you that have been to um, any of the Abide seminars that I've done will be very familiar with me referencing the verse in the Bible that says, we will face trials of many kinds. And it's important to realize that this isn't a personal thing. It's not something that kind of God singles out and says, you know, oh, it's you. I think I'll just, you know, give you a lot of trials. It's not a personal thing. It's very clear that we will all face trials of many kinds. And, um, yeah, it's important to recognize that. In James chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. So trials, in a way, are a key to our maturity as Christians. They're a key to our maturity in faith. And yet they're often the point that we want to kind of accelerate through. I don't know about you, but I'm very keen that, you know, the trials bits kind of sped through quite quickly or even avoided altogether. And we can see through the lives of many of the characters in the Bible as well that they too were familiar with suffering. They weren't kind of just protected from all this. They had many twists and turns in their own lives. And we look in the New Testament at the Apostle Paul, who was imprisoned and often in chains as he was writing his letters of encouragement to the churches. And we look in the Old Testament and we see Job. Now, he had a pretty rough time, if you're familiar with the story, and had all kinds of trials thrown his way. And he was ill, he had people die, he lost all his money, finance. It was a pretty bad situation. And then in the Old Testament, again, we read of Hannah and how deeply troubled she was at her infertility and the fact she didn't have a child. And so, you know, the Bible characters that we're familiar with are also familiar with this kind of suffering. And in James 1 verse 12, it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
So thinking about Joseph and his suffering, we read that he suffered at the hands of his brothers in the first instance. He was as good as attacked by them in the first place where his coat was stripped from him. He was dumped into this empty water cistern. He, uh, yeah, he went through quite a lot at that stage. And then he was sold to passing travellers. And I think by anyone's account, that's pretty much a bad day, really. Um, <laughs> And yet we read in the Bible that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And somehow, looking at those two things, it doesn't seem to add up. And whilst it's almost ironic that we're reading those two things, we know that it's true. We know that it was true. And the story of Joseph demonstrates suffering and how God uses that for his purposes, even when we can't see it. And we have to accept that we may never see the fulfillment of those kind of promises in our time on earth. We might never see the reason why we've gone through certain things while we're here on earth. But we have to trust that God has it in his hand. And even when Joseph went to prison at the end of that chapter, it says, but while he was in prison, God was with him. So even though that was a twist that perhaps Joseph wasn't really expecting, we know that God was with him through all the twists and turns of his story. And I just want to take a sort of sidestep a minute. We thought about Joseph and the suffering in the first part of the chapter. I just want to tell you a little bit about my story. And those of you that have journeyed with us as a family over recent years will be familiar with some of that story. And back in 2012, when we'd got Charlotte, who was three, and Daniel, who was just three weeks old, I was diagnosed completely out of the blue with a pancreatic cystic tumour. And for any of you that have any idea about sort of medical things, you might realise that the combination of the pancreas and a tumour is not really um, a very good combination. It's pretty bad. And speaking honestly, it's most often a terminal diagnosis. And it normally has a very short life expectancy. That's the kind of truth of it. And so, as you can ap appreciate, for us as a family, it was a bit of a shock. And it was a complete um, bolt out of the blue. We were kind of sailing along quite happily at that stage. And then all of a sudden, here it was. And it was very difficult. And although I stand here this morning seven years on from that, with the benefit now of hindsight, and I can look back and see some of the things that were going on. I remember at the time, looking back on previous situations I'd walked through with God, and I had, at the age of 19, a period of unemployment, and I was out of work for an extended period of time, and that was really difficult to kind of explain. I was kind of just setting out into adulthood, really, and that was a really confusing time. I'd had specific words about what God wanted me to do and the path he wanted me to take, and here I was without a job and without any prospect of going to university or anything. And it was very confusing at that time. Several years later, we had a very close family bereavement when my seven-year-old niece passed away. And again, that was a really challenging time. And I'm not in any way belittling those events because obviously they were very significant in themselves. But I looked at where I stood at that point in 2012 and I look back at the way God had been with me through those very difficult circumstances. But it did make me gulp a little bit as I looked ahead and looked at where I was standing. And I'm sure similarly Joseph could kind of look back in the first instance when his brothers were teasing him about having dreams and think, oh, I can see how God was with me then. That's all good. And then all of a sudden he's thrown into a cistern, beaten up and sold to slaves. And I'm sure for him it really pushed his trust in God to another level. 
And I felt that too. I felt that too. My, my trust in God was being pushed to another level. And yet I knew that God was with me. And I longed for him to take it away and say, actually, that's enough. I don't have to put you through any more suffering. I'll take that away. But at the time, he didn't at that point. And yet he was leading me and my family on a journey of faith. And just like we read in Joseph's story, we read, but while he was in prison, God was with him. In a way, that almost became the narrative of my story. I'd ask God to take it away. And although he didn't initially, I could almost hear the story unfolding. You know, but while she was in Adam Brooks having major surgery, God was with her. And he was. He was with me every step of the way. And you see, trials and suffering are an opportunity for intimacy with God like no other. And as tempting as it is to want to push through and kind of get past the suffering and kind of just hurry it along, don't rush through it. Don't rush through it. Don't focus your attention on kind of when things are easier, it will be okay. Because your relationship with God will meet new levels as you strive to trust him and your faith will grow both in strength and in depth. So I'd encourage you to look at your story. We've all got a story here this morning and I'd encourage you to look at your story. Perhaps go back to some of those difficult bits, the bits that were challenging and tricky and listen out for the narrative. Listen out for what God's saying. While you went through that, I was with you. And maybe that's something you're living through right now. You're going through some really difficult times. And my prayer this morning is that you would know the presence of God with you as you take the next step and the next step and you walk through it together. So we've spent a little bit of time thinking about the kind of theme of suffering for Joseph and how that kind of impacts us, a little bit about my story. And now we're going to spend some time thinking about the kind of injustice thread that we read about in chapter 39. So for many of us, that first experience of injustice, I guess, happens when we're children. And um, you might sort of think back to that first time you uttered out the cry, it's not fair, because I think we've probably all done that. And usually it was probably something quite insignificant, perhaps as a brother or sister helped themselves to the bigger slice of cake or maybe had more glass of fizzy, a bigger glass of fizzy, I don't know. But as we get older, the level of injustice that we feel seems to kind of get bigger and kind of expand and progress. And for Joseph, he was taken in by Potiphar. He worked really hard. He was very good at the things that he was given responsibility for. And he was an honourable man. And even when he was exposed to temptation in the form of Potiphar's wife, he fled. And yet due to her lies, he still ended up in prison. And that really isn't fair. When we look at it, it's not fair. It wasn't fair for Joseph to be in that position. And yet we remember that as he went to prison, God was with him. I've said that a lot now, but it's true and it's in there. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read in verse 2 and 3, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And here we read about Jesus, 
we read about Jesus and we're encouraged to think of him. Think of him who endured such opposition from sinners. He died a brutal death by crucifixion as a man who had never sinned. He was a man who had never sinned. Surely that is the most unjust thing ever to have happened and that ever will happen. And this Jesus that we read about, this is our Jesus. This is Jesus, our Emmanuel. This is Jesus who is God with us. He is able to sympathize with us because he's been there. He's been there. So let's not grow weary and lose heart because we have a relationship with one who has been there before us and can sympathize with us whatever we're going through. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, let us hold on to the faith that we profess. Because we don't have a high priest who's unable to feel sympathy for our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So I've got another little story for you, um, just to illustrate this point. My husband, Stuart, who many of you will know, is a police officer, and he's worked really hard over many years to move through the ranks um, within the police. And like Joseph, he received the call of God on his life at quite an early age and was directed into policing, and he's worked there for the last 23 years and despite feeling the call of God to work in the police force at quite a senior level and he had several sort of prophecies that were confirming this kind of career path for him he just seemed to meet so many obstacles along the way and I remember a particular time about four years ago when he was working really hard he was excelling at what he was doing and just yeah, getting on really well. People were commenting on how he was just kind of finger on the button, getting on with what needed doing. And he was working hard for promotion. And yet he was watching as others around him seemed to be promoted ahead of him. And it just didn't make sense to us. He'd got all the skills. He was working really hard. People were like commenting on how well he was doing. And yet all around, people just seemed to be moving into these promotion positions over and above him. And it was really frustrating. <laughs> it was really frustrating. It was more frustrating, and to make it worse, he was then having to help out the people that had been promoted because they didn't quite know certain areas of the job. And so he was then having to help the people that had been moved over him, and it just felt like he was being overlooked at every occasion at this particular point. And it was really unfair. It just felt like it was really unfair. And God used the story of Joseph at that stage to speak into our situation. And he just reminded us of how Joseph himself was overlooked. He was overlooked. He was treated unfairly. And yet, when we read through the story, and again, this is a spoiler, um, he ends up in a government-level leadership position as a prime minister. This is Joseph, who was like left for dead, really. And God worked in his story and turned it around for him. And for all of us, this is a journey of faith. It's totally a journey of faith. We have to believe that God holds the beginning and he holds the end and he holds everything between in his hands. The twists and turns are all part of his master plan. And although they're challenging to deal with and difficult, they are part of his plan and we never stray too far from that. We, you know, twists and turns don't move us outside of his plan for us. He has us in his hand. 
Now, I've got six keys to faith that we're going to look at. And these are um, really just to encourage us to focus on God and keep our faith and trust in God strong. So, number one, our first key to faith this morning is to know who God is. Really important. In Later in the story of, of Joseph in Genesis 41, we hear Joseph talking. He's approached and he's asked to interpret some dreams. And we hear Joseph talking at that stage and saying, actually, I can't do this. It says in the Bible, I cannot do it, but God can. And we learn from this that Joseph had a very good understanding of God. He knew who God was. He knew that God would come through and that he was capable of intervening in his situation. And we too need to have that knowledge of God. We need to have a strong knowledge of who God is. And I'm going to suggest three ways quickly of how we can do that, how we can increase our knowledge of God. So firstly, we need to be familiar with the word of God. Okay, It says in Psalm 1, those who meditate on the word are like trees planted by streams of water. We need to have a good understanding of the word of God. We need to read it and digest it, absorb it. And we have that promise, don't we, that when we meditate on the word, we're like the trees that are planted by the water. We get all the nourishment and the nutrition that we need when we saturate ourselves in the word of God. So the second way that we can improve and increase our knowledge of God is to be familiar with the presence of God. And we can do this. We need to do this individually. We need to know the presence of God for ourselves as individuals when we're by ourselves, whether that's having a quiet time in the morning, whether it's going for a walk by yourself, whether it's, it's just spending time with God. And that can be any part of the day or night. Perhaps in life groups, getting used to meeting with God and being in his presence in a small group setting. Again, really important, and we've got lots of life groups that allow us to do that um, in church at the moment. Within family groups and friendship circles, we need to experience the presence of God. Don't think that the presence of God is just something you experience when you come along on a Sunday. This is something we take with us. This is something that we can really dig into at any time. And obviously, corporately, as we come together, we experience the presence of God. And that's a really important time, but so are the other times as well. So make sure you're pressing into God's presence in those other ways. Thirdly, we need to be familiar with the characteristics of God. So we need to really push in. We need to study what the Bible has to say about the characteristics of each part of the Trinity. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How are they different? What goes on? What, what characteristics do they have? Really get to know the person of God. So that's number one. That's knowing who God is and a few ideas of how we can go about doing that. So number two, our second key to faith is to know who you are in God. And it's really important for us to be confident of our identity. It's so important for us to know who we are in Christ. And even this week, just as I was preparing for today, I found myself at points in the week perhaps having a few little wobbles and not really sure of who I was. And I had to remind myself, I was, you know, Thursday going to work, I was walking from the car park saying to myself, okay, identity, I'm a child of God, I'm a daughter of the king. I had to remind myself it's something that we have to come back to. And it's really important to have a good understanding of who we are in God I'd love to expand on that more, but if I do, I think we might be here a week till next Sunday, so I won't. But it's, I'd really encourage you to find out more about your identity in Christ. I'd like to just recommend a book 
to you, which is a really good way of doing that. This book by Wendy Mann, it's called Naturally Supernatural, and I know many of you will have come across it. It's such a good book. I'd really encourage you to get hold of a copy to read it. It goes through, there is a chapter in it looking at who God is. There's another chapter looking at our identity. So it covers some really important things, and I'd um, highly recommend that to you. It does also cover the third point I'm about to raise as well, so that's another encouragement to get hold of that. So the third key to faith that we're going to look at this morning is to deal with disappointments. Be honest with God. Dealing with suffering and injustice and things we don't understand is hard. It stirs up emotions, and whilst emotions themselves are not a bad thing, we need to know how to deal with them and how to respond to them. We need to know how to manage our emotions effectively and to be honest with God about how we're feeling. Keep short accounts with God. He wants to hear from you. He wants your honesty. And we're often quick to either bottle things up and just kind of keep them enclosed somewhere separate or perhaps just suppress them, squash them down and carry on because that's what we think we should do. And, of course, we need to be reverent before God, but actually he's our father. He wants to know how we're feeling. He wants that intimate relationship where we can just climb on his lap and just tell him what's going on, tell him what hurts and be really honest with him. So that's number three, dealing with disappointments. Number four, we need to refuse to live in the past. In Isaiah 43, it says, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. And then in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 10, we read, don't say, why were the old days better than these? Because it's not wise to ask such questions. And sometimes it's very tempting, isn't it? We can look back and think, oh, I remember when I was, you know, 20 whatever or 30 whatever, and it was such a good time and everything was going on. And you kind of live back and think, oh, if only it was like that now. Why does it have to be so hard? Ecclesiastes said it's not wise for us to ask those questions, so don't do it. We're here and now. Let's focus on where we're at. We need to use those reflections from the past to actually stir us. They need to encourage us about God's faithfulness. That's the way to look back, to look back at how faithful God has been to us from the start of our lives right through to the present day. So use the past to encourage us about God's faithfulness, to help us with the present, and to give us a hope for the future. So don't live in the past, don't strive for the future. Let's live in the now and use our reflections to build our confidence in God's faithfulness. Number five, we need to maintain an attitude of faith and thankfulness. So we need to focus on the haves and not the have-nots. And I know that Tim touched on this a bit last week. So the best example we've got really is by comparing the attitudes of Eve, who we learn about right at the beginning of Genesis, and Joseph, who obviously we've been looking at today, And when we look at Eve, she was a woman who, with Adam in the garden at the beginning, she was given a paradise garden. You know, it had everything they could possibly want. They were treated to just this amazing place. Every creature, every plant, every tree, it was amazing, not a weed in sight. And it was a paradise garden. And she was just told to refrain from eating from the fruit of one tree. That was it. Everything else they had free access to it was there for them to enjoy. And yet Eve focused on what she didn't have. Her obsession was about the one thing that she wasn't allowed, and she lost sight of all the things that she had been given. 
So then we kind of focus on Joseph, who was completely different, and he focused on all that he had. We read, didn't we, in, in verse 8 of chapter 39, everything he owns, that's Joseph talking about Potiphar, he has entrusted to my care. My master's withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. And we see that Joseph focused on all that he had and not the one thing that he didn't have. And that's what we need to do. We need to focus on all we have in Christ. Every blessing that he's given us, that's what our focus and our attention should be on. In Romans 8, verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life angels nor demons, present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's just one example of something we can focus on. That's surely good, surely good that we can focus on the love of God that we can never be separated from. And there's so much more. The Bible is full of all the positive things that God has given us that we can focus on. Let's do that. Let's focus on all we have in Christ and not the things that perhaps we don't have at that moment in time because we have been blessed with so much. Number six, so our last key to faith this morning, is to be confident in God's timing. And this can be a real challenge when you're in the moment and perhaps your life has taken a sudden twist that you weren't expecting. It's a real challenge. We're often wanting God, as we've said, to kind of speed up or to perhaps slow down on things. But we need to just take a step back and allow God to do his thing. He's proved himself faithful in the past. We know that he is a faithful God. That's one of his characteristics. And he can see the start from the finish. And ultimately, we are confident that he is working for our good. And you'll be familiar with the verses in Romans 8, verse 28, that say, and we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And the story of Joseph is a beautiful story of how God overcomes. Joseph sold as a slave, as we've read about, and he's brought through to government-level leadership as a prime minister. And it's an amazing story, isn't it? It's such an encouragement to us. So we're going to sort of draw things together at this point. What is our response as we've looked at suffering and injustice this morning? through the life of Joseph. And Tim reminded us last week that our response to these things is really important. The people that live around us are watching how we respond, and that's a real challenge to us. So just a few points for us to take away. So we need to be confident in God's ability to guide us through the paths of life. Be confident in God's ability to do that. Don't be too quick to rush through those difficult or challenging times. Use them as an opportunity to grow your faith Enjoy new levels of intimacy with the Father. It's kind of a byproduct, really, of the suffering that you go through. So enjoy new levels of intimacy with the Father. Look back in a positive way to stir your faith. And then finally, just in regard to injustice, what's our response? Do we fight wrong with wrong? Do we seek revenge, you know, when we've been wronged? Is that our motivation? It says in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? And it encourages us to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. That's our response this morning. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content. 
please do not edit the content in any way.